0: Welcome to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm your host, Carmen LeBurge. We're seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. So what are you facing today? What are you dealing with today? What uh, is of top of mind or top of heart, top of concern today for you? Uh, let me know on the text line 877 933 2484 We're also um, coming right up on the end of Pastor Appreciation Month. That doesn't mean that you should stop appreciating your pastor just because it's the end of October. Um, In fact, you know, like, right, if you haven't shown your pastor some love this month in particular and specifically, you know, please do that. And we would love to participate with you in that, showing um, some appreciation to your pastor. So let us know uh, their name and something about them. You can do that online at MyFaithRadio.com. We're going to send them a Thank you note of appreciation, just acknowledging their their good work. Um, and we're gonna send them a, a a gift card for a cup of coffee as well. So um, yeah, there you go. Just a I mean, it's literally a token of appreciation for pastors. And so maybe you could do a little more than that for your pastor. That'd be great. But at least do this, right? At least log on to myfaithradio.com. Tell us the name of your pastor, and uh, we'd we'd love to show them a little love here in Pastor Appreciation Month. So you've heard a lot about Uh, President Biden's plan to cancel student debt. Um, Well, a court has said, um, yeah, you can't you can't just do that unilaterally. So uh, the federal appeals court has issued a temporary stay during an evaluation of a lawsuit against the program. um, A a few tens of millions, I think the number is 21 million, but it's not in my notes. People have already applied um, to receive those uh, those debt cancellation funds that the president has promised. So we'll see. uh, We'll see how this unfolds. And in a story that I'm calling it was bound to happen, um, a female student athlete, a high school female student athlete has been uh, severely injured by a biological male competing in a high school volleyball game. So the differential in the size and the upper body strength of a biological male um, on the court competing as a female was captured on video. Um, This man spiked the ball into the head of this female competitor on the other side of the uh you know on the other side of the um net. I was going to say fence, and that's not right in volleyball. The other side of the net. she continues to suffer what are uh, considered to be long-term damage related to concussive injuries. She has not been um, allowed to return to play. Her injuries to her face and neck are apparently uh significant in response the school district the board of education of the school district voted to forfeit all girls volleyball games against this rival school quote due to safety concerns so yeah i mean it was it was prone to happen i mean there uh, there is an unfair advantage the male body is bigger and stronger in some ways than the female body and um, and so yeah i think this was uh this was bound to happen it now has happened and it's going to renew conversations about, you know, the fairness of play and uh, and women's sports and what it means to be a woman and on and on and on. So uh, just one of those conversations for which each and every one of us should be equipped today. It gives you an opportunity to talk about um, the nature of creation and God's goodness in creating us male and female and that we are different and that we're on that we're different um, on purpose and for a purpose. And that there's a fairness component to this in terms of competition that I think is important as well. And so this might give you some, uh, some opportunities for conversation today. Dr. Linda Mental's gonna join us next. We're gonna talk here about uh, a national emphasis on mental health this month, as well as things going on in the mental health arena. Like, have you noticed that we have a mental health problem in America? And have you noticed that over the course of time we've we've actually not improved our ability to address the mental health concerns of individuals? Yeah, that's up next. You're on Morning's with Carmen. going to talk about this ourselves for just a minute while uh, Paul is connecting with Dr. Linda Mental. Um, we could talk with Paul, but since he's busy connecting with Linda, we won't. Oh, yeah, I got to do my talk. job here, you know. I know. I know. We are glad you're back, though. Oh, Welcome back. You. Yeah. You're- yeah. Good to Can I that. tell you what pe- what people missed most? What? Well... That you are, like, always the person who, when I'm talking about something, even if you didn't know I was planning to talk about it, you have a song that goes into the next, um, you know, into the next segment or into the next break that's always, like, perfectly—it's uh, it perfectly, it, it's just a perfect reflection of well. what we were talking about. And we joked that, you know, Ryan is young, and so his repertoire is different. And his, um, you know, he's— He's just not wired the same way that you are. So now you were celebrated in your absence for your ability to just play the right song at the right time just every day. So we, we missed you. We love you. Uh, well I, I actually, I think I just got a hold of Linda here, so can you give us a few moments and <laughs> talk would you yes, talk gonna, you, yeah, talk yes, a little bit yes. longer so. absolutely go yeah. ahead all right, so um, things have changed in terms of the way the United States of America approaches mental health, and depending on how old you are, you actually may remember a time when there were large mental health institutions, like literally institutions. Um, You know, where people lived, um, where we delivered mental health services uh, to people living in community with one another. Um, But when all of those were closed, so in 1963, in what would turn out to be the last bill that he signed into law, President John F. Kennedy um, laid out his vision for a, quote, wholly new emphasis and approach to care for the mentally ill in the United States of America. So uh, he wanted to close the nation's psychiatric hospitals because they had become places of neglect and abuse. They, they weren't wonderful places of, of service and rehabilitation. And so they replaced, he wanted to replace them with this national network of community mental health centers. Well, again, um, uh, you know, he wanted them to be like community hospitals, but specifically designated for mental health. Now, he, he was assassinated. Like this was the last bill that he signed. So he did not get to bring the force of his influence onto the like actually making the next part of this happen. And so the psychiatric hospitals were closed because the law had been signed into or the bill had been signed into law by President Kennedy, but he did not live long enough to actually see the next part or the replacement um, of those with a national network of community mental health centers. And so over the course of time, many, many, many of those people who would have historically um, been housed, and I'll use the word served, even if that's not the appropriate word in some cases, um, who would have been housed and served in psychiatric hospitals here in the United States of America or psychiatric facilities, have ended up instead in prison. We now make use of prisons instead of psychiatric hospitals um, for the mentally ill. And so there is this conversation um, about renewing the commitment that John F. Kennedy had to build uh, community mental health centers across the country. Um, They're talking about 1,500 community mental health centers um, each of which would provide five essential services, community education, inpatient and outpatient uh, care, emergency response and partial hospitalization programs. Ultimately, um, these centers would serve as a single point of contact for patients in a given in, in a given area who needed not to just access psychiatric care, but um, navigate the outside world in ways that are you know, more healthy than what is available to people right now. So Congress is, um, is having this conversation, um, and, and there are some places where it's being tried. There are some, um, some efforts uh, toward this, and the Senate Finance Committee now has a draft mental health uh, legislation that is going to be going before, um, at least before the Senate, and then ultimately, uh, you know, maybe before the entire Congress to uh, not just overhaul, but really replace the way we provide for, um, for mental health concerns here in the United States of America. This is draft legislation, and it would expand the mental health workforce in America. Um, and so we wanted to have this conversation about mental health, and we thought no better person to do that than Dr. Linda Mental. So she's going to join us next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. This is my
1: fight song.
0: Dr. Linda Mental is joining us. She's the relationship doctor. You can find great resources at DrLindaMental.com. Good morning, Linda.
2: Good morning, Carmen. How are you
0: doing? I'm well, I'm well. I want to um, celebrate and promote to everyone listening right now that you're going to be in Madison, Wisconsin on October the 29th. That's this coming Saturday for a one-day conference, and they can get all the information at ChristianCounselingMadison.com. Um, This is uh, sponsored by uh, Life 102.5 and Faith 1190. And Linda's going to be talking about healthy ways to address physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual pain in your life. Again, uh, you can register to participate at christiancounselingmadison.com. Those links are also in the show notes today. For those of you who who get those at myfaithradio.com or wherever you download the podcast. So, Linda, let's talk about mental health and how mental health um, h- help, help for mental health issues, how you have seen the delivery of that help change over time In you know, over the course of your own career.
2: Well, it it really has been a huge shift from when I first started and I'm old, so I've been doing this for 25 years. And at the beginning of my career, we had no problem getting people into hospitals. Um, we We, if somebody was having an issue, especially in my area where I was working, very specifically with a lot of people that had eating disorders. And this is a very debilitating psychiatric problem when somebody is especially anorexic and their physical health is deteriorating, their, their mental health is deteriorating. And so I could easily get them in for six weeks, eight weeks, which we really needed to make the changes to, first of all, get their weight up or to stop vomiting or whatever the, the issue was in that person's life. It took some time to make those changes. Then I saw in the early 90s the change with HMOs where people now were being pushed into the hospital and pushed out pretty quickly. So then my patients would go maybe a week, maybe down to three days and you really began to just use the the psychiatric hospitals to stabilize people and get them out. The problem was that there weren't a lot of resources then for the outpatient part of trying to help people, especially when they needed so much intensive care. So this shift of now there are very few beds. I I can tell you where I was working for years in Virginia, the the very area I was in, almost all of the psychiatric hospitals have closed. And the reason they've closed, Carmen, is because they're not profitable. They don't make enough money. Um, And so part of the issue was pushing everybody to the outpatient settings, and so we don't have even beds now for people when they really need it. I mean, they, there are times when they can go in, they can get stabilized, and then they're out. So it's more like a revolving door of stabilization rather than actual inpatient treatment, which then has put a real burden on the outpatient services. And uh, and then we have this issue even now. And, and since COVID, this has gotten worse. I know so many people who have left um, mental health, left medicine, are not doing this anymore. Um, It just got to be too difficult. People got um, burned out, they got overworked, they got overburdened, there aren't enough facilities, there aren't enough doctors, there aren't enough mental health providers. And uh, Medicaid has expanded and so now we have more people that we're trying to serve and we have less people trying to do that. So it really, in my mind, is really a crisis in the United States. There's all this awareness for people's mental health and the changes and that's a good thing to try to get people aware of what's going on, try to get people to understand we have help. We know what to do when people need mental health help, but then you have to have the services to back that up. So we're in a, I think we're in a real dilemma with the, the lack of beds, the lack of people and resources are there, but then we could get into another whole discussion about how are those resources allocated and are, real, are they really going to the programs and the needs that are um, needed to be funded.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who want to know more about this, the American Hospital Association has a lot posted on their website right now A at AHA.org mm-hmm. about how states can apply for community behavioral health clinic yep. planning grants and information related to that. But, Linda, as you point out, you know, there's always a question about not only where does the money end up, but how does the money end up being used and what particular concerns um, are, you know, are addressed. Um, and so, you know, from a worldview conversation, that's important as
2: well. Um, yeah, and they th- there's yeah, a lot of money. There's a lot of money that's being spent um, in the past couple of years on opioids and addiction, and mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. probably a good thing because we're just we're now seeing we were doing fairly well with the opioid crisis prior to COVID, and now the numbers have just skyrocketed again. And there has been a ton of money available for programs to meet this you know meet this need and meet the problem and deal with the problem, but. Now we've got so many drugs that have entered the com- country, and fentanyl now is a huge problem. Um, I talked to a woman the other day, and her grandson uh, was smoking marijuana thinking, well, it was, it was legal in her state because it he it's being promoted as not a big deal. And it was laced with fentanyl, and he died. And so, you know, we have so many issues around even the drug issues where there has been a lot of money, a lot of grant money, but you also have to have people that can resource those grants. And so, you know, agencies are looking for people who know how to write grants, who know how to manage grants, then they have to have the staff to, you know, fulfill the grant. So it's not an easy process of just throwing money at programs. There's a lot involved in getting that up and operational.
0: Uh, Scott uh, texted in and says, yay, Linda is going to be in Madison. Um, and he says he, he will see you there.
2: So there you go. Oh, good. Uh, I'm excited yeah. to come and talk about mental health help. We're really, this is really geared for your listeners. This is a, a program that the the Christian, the Center for Christian Counseling has put together so that lay people can come and go, what do I do about all these different ways that I experience pain in my life? Um, and we're going to, I'm going to give very practical tips for that. We're going to talk about what you do when you feel anxious, what do you do when you're angry, how do you deal with forgiveness when you don't want to deal with forgiveness, um, you know, how do we deal with suffering in our life, it's going to be so much, it's going to be such a rich day, and it's a, it's a long day, it's all day, but when you walk out of there, boy, you're going to be equipped and you're going to have tools to do something um, to help yourself and to help other people.
0: I love that. So, um, this Saturday, if you are going to be in the Madison, Wisconsin area, maybe you're listening right now on, uh, Life 102.5 or, uh, 11, Faith 1190. Um, you'd be listening on Faith 1190 if you're listening to us. So there you go. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, um, but this is, um, this is Linda Mental live and in person. Uh, it's going to be at the Double Tree Hotel there from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can get all of the info, um, and register for the event at mm-hmm, I'm looking for the link again. Christian christiancounselingmadison.com. Christian Counseling dot com. Um, Linda, um, thank you so much. Before we let you go, um maybe just a word of encouragement to folks to check out the um the blog about judging not. What does it mean to judge not?
2: Boy, that's a, a totally misunderstood, I think, concept by so many people in the culture. You hear all the time, don't judge me. Don't judge me well, what does that really mean, and what did Jesus really mean by that? And the heart motive, when we're talking about judging, is really hard. But I make the distinction in that blog between a moral judgment, which we are supposed to do, we're supposed to call out sin for what it is, and then a judgment where you're despising and you're trying to condemn someone, and that's where Jesus gets at the heart motive. So if you really want to understand and unpack what that means, go to the blog and read um, what that actually means, get a good understanding of what it means to not judge somebody.
0: All right, so drlindamental.com is where you can connect with Linda, um, and on the blog is where you can find this great resource, What Does It Mean to Judge Not? Uh, And again, christiancounselingmadison.com is where you can register for this Saturday's October 29th event, um, where Linda is going to be addressing healthy ways um, to address physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual pain in your life. Linda, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks, Carmen. Have a great week.
0: You too. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
2: you back. Somebody needs
0: When you think about um, fruit and fruitfulness, you know, we often talk about doing a little fruit inspection in our own lives. Um, am I, am I um, rendering unto God a harvest of righteousness in ever more abundant measure? Like when you look at my life now versus a year ago, is there evidence of um, fruitfulness in a you know in a positive direction? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. Um, am I producing these in ever more abundant measure? Am I allowing God to cultivate these things in my life? Um you know we we think about what Jesus has to say about the vine and the branches and our fruit production and um and we we think about what Jesus has to say about um, the gifts that he has given us and and how we have either buried those or used them to produce good fruit for his kingdom do you have do you know do you have a harvest of righteousness in your life, and what would that look like we're going to talk about fruitful theology, how the life of the mind leads to the life of the soul. It is a conversation about the fruit of the spirit versus the fruit of the world. Ronnie Kurtz joins us next. Ronnie Kurtz joins us today. He's a professor at Cedarville University. He's an author as well. We're going to talk about his book, Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. And actually, if you want a good um, little taste and see of the book, you could go to thegospelcoalition.org today and read, um, read Ronnie's piece, Why Do the Theologians Rage? Ronnie Kurtz, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it and appreciate you and what you do here.
0: Well, likewise, likewise. And um, our our um, ongoing concern and prayers for your family, the last time that we had planned to talk, you, you had a family emergency and we prayed for you on air um, related to that. And so just, you know, just continuing to uphold you as a brother in Christ um, in the midst of the realities of life.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for that, Carmen. It was um, kind of a, a chaotic day. Uh, sorry again for Having to miss our last interview, sadly, the the time we were scheduled, my stepmother passed away, and so um, she was a faithful believer, and I'm confident she's with the Lord now. But uh, appreciate you being flexible and having me back. I really do appreciate that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's talk about division. Um, and then let's talk about, you know, something better than that. So uh, I like, I actually love the approach that you take um, in this piece at the Gospel Coalition because it helps us really get into the conversation about a more fruitful theology by recognizing, you know, the the poor fruit being produced now by much of our public witness in the church. So, you know, talk about uh, a little bit about, you know, the, the division, the reality of division um, and the danger of it.
1: Absolutely. When I was preparing to write this book, I was working through Galatians and Paul does something pretty interesting in Galatians five. And when he gets to the part of Galatians five that we all know pretty well is the fruit of the spirit. And I'm glad we know that, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, et cetera. But maybe a part that we don't know as well is not only does Paul list the fruit of the spirit, which will lead to bearing one another's burden, as he says, But Paul also lists some vices in the works of the flesh, and those vices are things like impurity, idolatry, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, etc. And he says, he warns us, and he says, if you practice these things, it will lead to the devouring of one another instead of bearing one another's burdens. And really the diagnostic question that came up in my mind is that I was reading that as a theologian myself is which list of adjectives most properly and most accurately defines what takes place as quote unquote theological discourse today. Is it kindness and gentleness and self-control or is it outbursts of anger, dissension and envy? And That became a a convicting question, especially in our particular day. It seems like today is a day in which churches who have largely enjoyed unity have had to really fight for it in a way that they haven't had before. And that could be because of, you know, COVID implications or cultural implications or political implications or theological implications, you name it. But it just seems like division is a growing sickness in our day. And while theology isn't a good enough if theology is not a sufficient enough condition to fix all of the division. I do think it is a helpful one, though, and that's what I'm kind of getting at with that piece and in the book at large. What
0: um, if our speech and our conduct were seasoned more with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Um, how might that not only improve our public witness but frankly you know our mental health and well-being like wouldn't we just experience better life <laughs> like the lo- the <laughs> the joy of the lord if we were living lives that were producing this kind of fruit versus um you know lives that are marked by the kind of anger and hostility and uh, and infighting and backbiting um that that we see people engage in frequently, um, even amongst you know those people who we would call ministry leaders, so i want to I want to talk about something that you said um because you described yourself as a theologian, and I would like for you to invite everyone listening right now to consider themselves in the same way because this Without is about yeah, this is about the life of the mind and you don't have to be you don't have to have a PhD and you don't have to be a professor at a Christian university to be a theologian. We are all operationally theologians. And so will you invite yes. us all into this?
1: Absolutely. Uh you're hitting on something I care very much about. I uh I define theology not in a new way, typically in a 2000-year-old faith. Uh, Novel is not good, but uh, I define theology uh, along with a lot of really faithful thinkers in Christian history as uh, the contemplation of God and all things in relation to God. I think that's a a really good, simple definition. Anytime we think about God or anything in relation to God, we are participating in, in theology. And so what this means as an implication is without fail, everyone in the world, any listener listening right now, You might not think of yourself this way, but you are a theologian. Anytime you have thoughts about God, thoughts about things relating to God, anytime you speak about God, you are participating in theology. Even the thought that God doesn't exist, that in itself is a theology, just an incorrect one. And so the question is not, are you a theologian? That's settled. You are. By virtue of having thoughts about God, you are a theologian. So then I think the most more pertinent question is not, are you a theologian, but will you be a faithful one? I think that's a much more pertinent question. If you're a Christian, the question of whether or not you're a theologian is settled for you. So now you get to press into faithfulness.
0: Mm. And when, um, when we talk about faithfulness, we're talking about fruitfulness, um, which brings us, you know full circle back around to Fruitful Theology. Fruitful Theology is the name of the book, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. Um, and if you, if we have whetted your appetite for this and you saying to yourself, all right, I want it even if just for the appendix, I'm new to theology, where do I start? Um, but then I also want to cultivate in my own life the ability to operate out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, be strong in mind and gentle in spirit, um, then this is the book for you. And we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Ronnie, let's talk a little bit about um, the appendix. Uh, my Those listening right now know I, I am a junkie for what's at the end of the book. Like, I love the appendices because I feel like that's where authors are really putting the stuff they want readers to have um the book is one thing the appendices and like the resources that come at the end of the book i feel like are the gifts that an author is trying to put in my hands and so talk with mm. us about the uh the appendix i'm new to theology where do i start
1: yeah so i finished the book turned it into my editor uh taylor combs at bnh who and- we love
0: and who is planning a church and we've had on the show to talk about that and there you go
1: oh we love him. good I know. Taylor Taylor and Lindsay
0: are some of our favorites. I know.
1: There you go. Wow. Well, my respect for the show just jumped to the roof as if it wasn't already. (laughs) Taylor is a dear friend, and I love love that guy. And uh, it was sad to see him leave as an editor, but so thankful that he planted a church. What an amazing, amazing man. Um, But him and Ashley Gorman were the two editors of the book. And after I turned in the the first draft— Taylor had a lot of really great insight things to say, but one of the things he said that was really helpful was he said, Hey, what would you, what would you think about considering? My worry is that uh, a reader might read this and be like, okay, I'm with you. Theology should lead to the fruit of the spirit, but but how do I even do theology? And so Taylor said, what would you think about adding an appendix that was really just kind of an introductory, you know, for those who are pretty new to theology Um, And even those who have done theology a little bit more, just kind of a refresher of, I'm sold, I believe I need to be a faithful theologian, so where do I start? And at first, I was like, are you asking me to put a uh, a guide to how to do theology in like 2,000 words? And he's like, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. (laughs) And so my hope is that it's accessible, that even if you're really new to theology, it could be a good place to start. And I really just walk through... There's nothing brilliant in that appendices. It's really just these are the building blocks. And if you want to pursue theology in a robust way, really have an active life of the mind, uh, these are some of the building blocks to begin with.
0: Um, right. I feel like this um, this book, Fruitful Theology, uh, is is like the perfect um, book to give to somebody who grew up in the church and has kind of been um cruising along in their christian life um and really has not sought to cultivate the mind of christ as an adult yes. and and now recognizes you know what <laughs> um i know the story of daniel and david and goliath and some of the parables and maybe i know the beatitudes and the lord's prayer but I do not have the answers to the questions that are being asked by my kids or that are being pressed in upon me by the culture today and i i don't just need more Bible study, I need um the way to apply the mind of Christ um, day in and day out to everything to everything and that mm. is that's what you're talking about here um because this is not a what to this is a how to this is how. Um, do I use the spirit that God has given me? Like, how do I cooperate actively with the presence of the Holy Spirit instead of cooperating with the spirit of the age? And how do mm-hmm. I let that change the way that I think and then speak and then act? That, that is what this book is in my um, humble estimation.
1: Yeah, and you're on something important there. One of the things I think we forget about even the title, Fruit of the Spirit, is this is a spiritual exercise. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And so if we if we ask ourselves, what would a spiritual, Christian, active, intellectual life look like? Well, I think if our mind is really defined and captivated by the Spirit of God, it will look like the fruit of the Spirit. And it's really, uh, sometimes when I talk about the book, I laugh at how simple of a concept it is. But really, this is just how to be a Christian and think. And, and I think you're right. I, I, one of the things, I've, one of the impulses to write the book is I fear there are many people in the world who are somewhat aware of the Lord and maybe aware of some of his stories. But what they haven't done is they have not waded into the deep waters that is the Christian intellectual life. And hear me, there is so much joy to be had. When we contemplate God, he is so tremendously good and so tremendously gracious that when we spend our life turning our mind's eye, his direction, you just simply will not be the same. You will Mm -hmm. be transformed. And sometimes we don't think of theology as practical, but I promise there is almost nothing more practical or pragmatic than getting a grander view of who God is and what he's doing in the world.
0: We're going to ask Ronnie Kurtz um, to talk specifically about one of the chapters. I'm going to let him pick love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control as we talk about fruitful theology. And yes, we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit myfaithradio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
1: Love is patient,
0: love is kind. Never
1: jealous, free of pride.
0: Love Continuing our conversation with Ronnie Kurtz, you can connect with him on uh, Twitter and Facebook, Ronnie Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. You can also connect with him at Cedarville University. The book is Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. We're giving away copies today. If you're a person who um, you really want to connect the life of the mind to the reality of your walk of faith, that's um, that's what this is, uh, how to be a Christian and to think and then live and speak and walk your faith out in a way that um, really does honor Jesus uh, this is the book for you. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Ronnie, um take us into one of the chapters. Um give us a little bit of a taste of fruitful theology.
1: Yeah, when uh whenever you said before, we went off air that that first before that first break, I was like, "Oh no, which one do I want to pick? There's <laughs> there's so many there's so much goodness in the fruit of the spirit, obviously." And I I'll start with a a chapter that I if you would have asked me before I started writing, which for the spirit, I was like, not sure what I was going to say. It probably would have been patience, Mm -hmm. but it was in writing that chapter uh, that the Lord was really working on my heart. And so I'll start there with, with patience. I was sitting at a uh, sitting at my computer with a blank screen and the uh, taunting cursor blinking at me, reminding me that I have nothing to say yet and uh, nothing, nothing that I think is adequate. And my wife was next to me doing just a, normal Bible reading. And she was on a particularly hard part of scripture and out of frustration, just, she just kind of scoffed and said, Oh, why does this have to be so hard? And it was in that moment in her being kind of real and authentic for a moment that I was like, that's exactly it. There really is. Some of this is hard. Uh, it is not microwavable to just have theological wisdom. And listeners probably can relate to this, you've probably come across stretches of your Bible reading where you're like, I am not quite sure what is happening here. And one of the things that's interesting about the the theological life and the Christian life in general is that often it's in those moments that the Lord does a lot of work on our soul and on our mind. And so in that chapter, I use a, uh, a quote from another theologian where he talks about the right response to theology is having the limp of Jacob and the awe of Moses. And I think this is right. If we recall the story of Jacob when he wrestles the Lord and the Lord dislocates his hip, um, that's what I'm after. I'm after helping people grab hold of a tough portion of scripture and saying, I am not going to let go until I see the beauty here. Or grabbing hold of a tough theological concept and saying, I am not going to let go until I see the beauty here. Even if I have a dislocated hip, I will not let go. And so I hope we walk away from the theological process limping a little bit with the limp of Jacob that resolved to not let go until we see beauty. But then I hope that kind of wrestling, that kind of true trying to figure it out, praying through it, wrestling with your church, wrestling with other believers in a good way, um, leads to the awe of Moses. We know that when Moses conversed with the Lord on Mount Sinai, he comes back down from the mountain uh, and his face is glowing so much that his peers are legitimately fearful of him. And that's what a proper encounter with the Lord should do. It should transform us such that other people can even see it. Uh, So I want theology to be the kind of patient exercise where we grab hold of something tough and say, I'm not letting go until I understand this, until my mind has contemplated beauty, and once we contemplate that beauty, we will be transformed and have not just the limp of Jacob, but the awe of Moses.
0: So it delights me to say that you've you've like just described my husband. I mean, he's you know he's in his early sixties, but he delights like a child in like these yellow leaves falling from trees and alighting on you know on dark fir trees and he's like it just looks like a christmas tree and it's just like i mean he just delights and he's just exalting god and yesterday as we're driving i mean every t- i mean i mean there's a there's a bright red tree around every corner right now and a yellow one and a and, a re- and it doesn't matter because every single one he's just delighting over and it's you know god is showing off and we're the beauty of creation i think is this incredible um doorway into the conversations that you're inviting us to have um and so you know maybe there is like a genuine connection between the idea of fruit when we think about fruit this like physical natural item um and fruit when we talk about the spiritual uh the spiritual things that are cultivated within us by the presence of the spirit
1: Absolutely yes I I I totally think so I think the Lord is I think you nailed it. I do think, or maybe your husband nailed it. I don't remember who said it, but I do think the Lord is showing off and creation is mm-hmm. one avenue. Again, that definition of theology, the contemplation of God and all things in relation to God. When we think of God's handiwork, it is an invitation to worship him and hopefully an invitation to move beyond just you know, general revelation and also into special revelation as well and dig into the scriptures.
0: Amen. Oh, amen. All right. What a delight to talk with you. Ronnie, thank you so very much for being here with us today. Thank you for the gift of the conversation and the book. Um, great um, great roundup conversation of the book posted today at thegospelcoalition.org. If you want to go there and read that, Why Do the Theologians Rage? The full book is Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. And we are giving away copies today, so enter the drawing by texting the word BOOK Ronnie, um, thank you so much. What a delight.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you again. And thanks for your grace with my family and understanding there. I appreciate you and what you do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. all right uh, i don 't know what 's going on where you 're living today, but uh, it 's noisy outside where i 'm living, so you know let's let 's get out there and make a little noise ourselves as Christians. Um, what does it look like today on this uh, on this Monday for you to um, make Christ known? like what is that going to look like today for you to make Christ known? Do you know Christ if you don 't know Christ, we would love for you to get to know him. Um, Maybe you want to start by reading um, one of the gospels. Maybe you want to start by, you know, just reaching out to a person who you know is a Christian and saying, Hey, um, I heard this lady on the radio or on a podcast uh, say, you know, if you want to know God, you should, you want to know Christ, you should ask a Christian to, you know, tell you about, tell you about God. So you and I need to be prepared today to really talk about God and who he is and what we know of his character and his ways. It is about the living of the faith but it's also about talking about it. So are you prepared to do that today? I hope so. Um, Where in the word are you today? Let me absolutely encourage you to get into the word of God before you get out there into the world that God so loves. We want to be people um, who are fruitful in all of the right ways, right? In all of the right ways. So um, let's uh, do a little fruit inspection this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let those be in ever more abundant measure in our lives um, that others might see not our good works, but God and glorify him who is in heaven. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen Laburge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.